So, so we've been looking at the kings, and, and one of the things I think you might have noticed is the kings are kind of extreme personalities in the, in the story of the Bible. You know, there was Solomon with his 700 wives, and, and we didn't even do a deep dive into what kind of issues he must have had. And then there was Rehoboam. Remember, he inherited the kingdom and uh, just thought that that was a license to extract as much as he could out of the people for his own luxury and, uh, and enjoyment. And then, remember, Jeroboam, we talked about actually last week, and he was the guy who decided that in order to consolidate his power, he'd just invent his own religion so that everyone would be uh, ultimately loyal to him. And so those guys are interesting, but they're kind of hard to relate to in a lot of ways. But now we've come to Hezekiah, and I think that Hezekiah is probably some, someone who most of you can relate to a little more directly. He was just your basic good guy. You know, he trusted in the Lord. He did what is right. He went to church on Sunday, even in August. You know, he, he, did, he did what he had to do. Uh, you know, the Bible says he was a reformer. He destroyed the high places and the sacred stones. You know, all the kings before him had tolerated and even encouraged and participated in all this uh, idol worship, uh, you know, worshiping these false gods. And Hezekiah said, no, that's done. And he went and, and tore down those shrines, tore down those uh, temples that they had built and, uh, and said, if you're going to worship, you're going to worship the one and only God. He followed the commands of God. He wasn't someone like Solomon who had 700 wives, presumably. He, he went back to what Moses commanded and said, this is the way we're going to live. This is the way I'm going to live. Um, and as a result, God was with him and gave him success. So, you know, an interesting thing happens in life when we start following God's commands, when we say, I'm going to stop going my own way, I'm going to go God's way, I'm going to go back to the owner's manual or the, the manufacturer's instructions in the Bible and live according to that is, life gets better. So, so as, as Solomon started obeying God's commands and reforming his nation, the, the nation prospered says in verse 5, he trusted in the Lord. And this is really the key thing, uh, you know, that made, set Hezekiah apart is he was a man who trusted in God. He trusted in the Lord. And as a result of that, he also ascended as a military power. He defeated the, the Philistines and he chased the king of Assyria out of Israel. So he, he, he reestablished Israel's independence. And it hadn't been independent like that for for many, many years, they had been, been getting beaten up by all the nations around them. But Hezekiah, under Hezekiah, because he trusted in God, because he followed the word of God, and because God was with him and God was blessing him, they, they prospered and they succeeded. So, in that sense, Hezekiah, he just reminds me of, of uh, you people, you know, who are trying to do the right thing trying to follow God's word, trying to follow God's way. And as a result of that, I think in, in many of your cases, you're experiencing God's blessing in your life. You're experiencing God's blessing in your plans. You're experiencing God's prosperity in, in, your, in your relationships and in your careers in a lot of ways. And, and, uh, and you know, because, you're, because you're, you're trusting in God, when people ask you, well, why, why do you think God things are going so well for you, you're not ashamed to say, well, I think it's because I'm trusting God because I've gotten my life, I'm, I'm getting my life together and, and God is providing and God is, is guiding. And uh, so Hezekiah is sort of an inspiring example in that sense to, uh, 
to all of us that as we trust God, as we put God first, as we decide I'm going to obey God, I'm going to follow God, then good things start happening in life. You know, and this, this goes back to the covenant blessings, the covenant promises that God made to the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, that when you follow my word, when you worship me and don't worship false gods, you are going to be blessed and your crops will be blessed and your military efforts will be blessed and you won't be overrun by outsiders and you'll, you'll prosper. This was the, uh, the promise that was laid out for the people of Israel in, in the book of Deuteronomy and Hezekiah went back to that and he lived it out. Now, I've found in life and, you know, as a, as a minister all these years, one of the, the great things that happens is when, you, when people come to you and they're a mess and they just kind of can't take the way their life has become, gotten messed up over the years, and then, then they start trusting in God or trusting in Christ for the first time, and they start living according to the Word of God, and they, they start trying to get their life in order according to God's standards, and, and you know, for different people that means different things. Some people it means, uh, you know, stop, stop using drugs and alcohol. For some people it means getting a career in order. For some people it means starting to take care of their health or, or, or getting out of crazy relationships and getting into and limiting yourself to healthy relationships. But when, when we do that, good things start to happen in life and life starts to come together and the things that used to be so unbearable become bearable because, because God is blessing, because God has laid out a way that we ought to live and when we follow that, life goes better. You know, someone said the Bible is like the manufacturer's instructions. You know, you buy a car, you can ignore the manufacturer's instructions as you, if you want, because it's your car. But uh, if you don't do the things that it tells you to do, change the oil and, and maintain it and things like that, the car's going to blow up. And it's the same thing. You can ignore the Bible, the manufacturer's instructions for how to live, but then when your life blows up, it's on you. Uh, so Hezekiah does this, and for 14 years it says life was pretty good. They, they won their military victories. They were prospering. He was trusting in the Lord, and, and the Lord was taking care of him. He had a, a good run of success. But now, here's the thing you got to see in this story, that after 14 years of, of prospering and trusting this, and, and particularly for, for those of you who are young, take note, because this, this is important. You get, you get 14 years or so, and then... Then the wheels start to uh, come off. In Hezekiah's case, what happens is the king of Assyria gains his strength back, gains his power back, and decides he's going to make another run at invading Israel. And uh, so Sennacherib, this, this guy Sennacherib, he attacks Judah, and it says he conquered all of the fortified cities in Judah, and he captured them. So the only city that was left was Jerusalem. And it's so, so it's as if the invading hordes came in. Maybe they came up from the south or something, and they, they conquered uh, Staten Island and Brooklyn and uh, the Queens and the Bronx and, and even all of uh, Hudson County. And, and all that was left was uh, Manhattan, and we're all in there wondering what to do. But Hezekiah was absolutely surrounded by by the king of Assyria. All of his fortresses had, had fallen, and he's wondering what to do. And after 14 years of everything working, he decides now, he, he, faces, he faces this huge crisis. 
And so here's the first brutal truth that I want you people to see is that life is like that. You know, you can go along and you get your 14 years of, of doing the right thing and everything's working and your career's working and your relationship's working and your health is working and, and all your plans are coming together. And then, you know, out of the blue, something happens and you face your own personal Sennacherib's invasion and all the things you had worked in, all the things you thought were so solid, all of a sudden, they all, they all fall apart. And um, you, you find yourself dealing with unimaginable challenges, things you can't handle. And you know sometimes it's a health issue that comes up for you or your loved one, and you're like, I just can't deal with this. Other times, it's like your career has been taking off. It's been on this upward trajectory, and then all of a sudden, it falls off. Something happens. You find yourself laid off, and you wonder what you're going to do to do next. Uh, sometimes it's something that happens in your family. I can pretty much guarantee you, those of you who have daughters, uh, circle her 14th birthday, because that's when it all kind of <laughs> falls apart. Uh, and, and I found this even, even for uh, really religious people, honestly, frankly. You know, sometimes people get, get religion, they sort their life out, they start, you know, they come to church, they, they start obeying, they start studying, they're, they're always in the Word, they're always praying. And then, inexplicably, even, even there, things happen in life. And maybe, you know, uh, it's a, a, an emotional problem, an addiction comes up and just destroys your life, a descent into some sort of depression, or you find yourself entangled in some kind of sin that you can't imagine that you would have been entangled with, but... Our weakness is exposed. But here's the thing about life. No matter how good you are, no matter how faithful you are, no matter how hard you try, things are going to come up in our lives that we just can't handle. I mean, here's Hezekiah. He did everything right. He trusted in the Lord. And yet, 14 years later, Sennacherib comes in and he invades. And, and, and here, here's what I've observed about life and working with people over the years is that you know, we all have weaknesses in life, and all of us have things that we've struggled with our whole life, right? You can think of that thing you've struggled with your whole life. And, and those things are, you, you just kind of manage to deal with. You know, if you're chronically ill, you get used to being chronically ill. If you're chronically struggling in your career, struggling with money, you get used to kind of struggling with that. And you get used to those, those areas where we're just kind of always struggling. But, but you know what's really devastating to all of us? What's really devastating is the thing that you thought was your strength the area of your life that you thought was all together, when that blows up, when that falls apart, and you were a health nut, and you were an exercise nut, and you thought you were, you were, you were always going to be strong and healthy, then you're in an accident, and all of a sudden you can't get up and walk across the room, or your career was taken off, and you were the person who everyone looked to as a success story, and then all of a sudden you get laid off, and you keep pretending that you have a job because you don't even know how to tell your loved ones that you don't have a job anymore. You were a family guy and you thought family was everything and then your family blows up and, and the thing that was, was your strength becomes the area where you're devastated, where, where your life is, is broken up. That's the hardest thing to face and that's what happened to uh, Hezekiah. He made his bones by defeating, you know, it says here in, in uh, in verse 7, he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him, and he defeated the Philistines. He was a military leader. He was a successful military leader, and for 14 years, he was able to rest and, and enjoy that success, and then it was all 
taken away from him. There's nothing more devastating in your life. You know, we all have weaknesses, but what really turns our world upside down is when our strength is taken away from us. And, uh, you know, early on, Hezekiah handled all the problems because he trusted the Lord. And then along came a problem that he couldn't handle. See, faith works until it doesn't. And this is a story of, really, you, you see this story replayed over and over again in the Bible. You know, I wouldn't draw this conclusion except, remember the same thing happened to Joseph. Joseph was in, in, in Egypt. He was doing the right thing. He was, he was working there, try, trying to be a, a man of integrity in a foreign land. And his boss's wife starts hitting on him. And rather than going along with it, which he could have gotten away with, he, he resists her, and, and he creates kind of the original Me Too moment when she says, <laughs> she, she, says she, she turns him in and makes up a story about him, and he ends up in prison for 14 years. You know, and, and that's what he got for doing the right thing. And then there's Job. You remember the story of uh, Job? He was the most righteous man, the most faithful man, the most devout man in the world in his day. And because he was that, Satan comes to God and makes a bet with God and says, you know, the only reason Job is so good is because you've blessed him so much. Let's see what happens if we take everything away from him. Take his family, take his wealth, take his success, even take his friends away from him. And, uh, you know, you'd think God would kind of stick up for the guy. But God says, okay, let's try it. And you read the story of Job. Job loses everything. And so this is the challenge. This is how... Life is, and sometimes the greatest shock when we're trying to do the right thing, we're trying to follow God, is when our world falls apart anyways, and the things that we thought were untouchable get touched, and the things we thought we could depend on fall apart, and the things that we thought were our strengths become our weaknesses. I had a friend uh, named Steve Brown, and, and occasionally he would start his prayers this way. He'd, he'd be praying for someone, he was a pastor, and he'd say, Lord God, you'd have more friends if you treated the ones you already have a little bit better. And sometimes I can relate to that, and I can see that, except that I see that this is the pattern in the Bible, that the life of faith, the life of following God, the life of obeying God isn't a linear path up and up and up to glory, but it has its ups and its downs, and we've got to be ready for it. In fact, there was a guy many years ago named St. John of the Cross. He was a, a Spanish monk, actually, and he wrote a book called The Dark Night of the Soul about this phenomenon, about this struggle of facing these times, facing, facing these times when we feel like God has abandoned us and our faith is no longer working for us. And, uh, you know, it's part of life. And... Uh, I know I've been there, and I know some of you are there right now, and I know that um, it's something we all have to recognize is, is part of what following God is about. And so the question we have to ask, the thing you've got to figure out is, why does God permit his most dedicated servants, faithful people, obedient people, devoted people who are trusting in him to face such difficulty? And I think... The reason for it, in my observation, it, it becomes obvious as I've thought about it. It's because it's so tempting 
that when things are going well and we, we put a little bit of, of uh, religious icing over the cake of worldly success and personal prosperity and, and happy families and whatever else it is we've got, it's so easy to say that we've got what we've got because we've earned it. You know, God has given me this career. God has given me this family. God has given me this health. God has given me this situation. God has given me this prosperity and, and this blessing because I deserve it and because he has chosen me and because I, because I have earned it. And so we start trusting our own religion. We start trusting our obedience. We start trusting our doctrine or the, the, the fact that we're, we're faithful and, and obeying in certain areas. And you know what happens? God wants to drive us back to himself. God wanted Hezekiah to realize that he had forgotten the thing that got him to where he was. You know, remember, Hezekiah came up as, as a scrappy young king, and he got where he got because he trusted the Lord. All right, that's what it says in, in uh, verse 14. Hezekiah tr or trusted the Lord. Excuse me, verse 5. Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel, and that's why he enjoyed the prosperity. That's why he enjoyed the success that he had. And then, then 14 years later, he's no longer a scrappy little king with nothing going for him. He's established. He's pros prosperous. He's got an army. He's got wealth. He's, got, uh, he, he's, he's now a senior king who's one of the power brokers in the area. And he gets invaded by Sennacherib. Sennacherib blows through all his defenses, and Sennacherib's sitting at the door of his house, and he, he's about to get, get crushed by Sennacherib. And rather than trust in the Lord, what does he do? He says, I'm so sorry, Sennacherib. I have done wrong. Withdraw from me, and I'll pay you whatever you demand of me. He surrenders. He surrenders to the Assyrian king, and he gives, he gives in. And, you know, probably... That was the reasonable diplomatic and military choice. Probably when he went to his advisors and his generals and said, what should we do in this circumstance? They said, well, we've got to surrender. He has us outnumbered. He has us overpowered. There's nothing we can do. But you've got to understand, as the king of Israel, that was absolutely wrong. That was totally wrong. That was not the way the king of Israel was supposed to respond to, to hardship and difficulty. Because the rule for the king of Israel is they were only surrendered to one king, and that was the king of kings and the lord of lords, to Yahweh. That was who they surrendered to. And they were only supposed to go into alliances with one king, and that was the king of the universe. They weren't supposed to make treaties with other kings. They weren't supposed to enter into alliances with other kings. And they were never, ever supposed to surrender. The model for the, king, the kings of Israel was David. And remember how David became famous? When he was a shepherd boy and some Philistine giant was threatening all the armies of Israel and David said, someone's got to take this guy on. I'll do it. Just give me some rocks and a slingshot and, and we'll deal with this. Because the, the ethic for the kings of Israel, the rule for the kings of Israel is we don't surrender. We trust in the Lord and the Lord will save us. And that's what Hezekiah forgot. That's what Hezekiah stopped stop stopped being uh, you know the question is why did why why was the king of assyria given this power and given this ability and it's because god wanted to test hezekiah 
God wanted to see if Hezekiah really had what it was going to take to get through this, if he was really continuing to trust in the Lord, or if he was trusting now in his own uh, strength as the king of Israel and trusting in his own, his own wits and trusting in his generals and trusting in his own uh, abilities. And, uh, and, and Hezekiah here is exposed. He's not the man he was 14 years ago when he trusted the Lord and, and the Lord gave him those strengths. Now he's just another king trusting in his own resources. And uh, so he says to the king of Assyria, what do I have to pay you? And you know what the king of Assyria says? Absolutely everything. Everything plus. If you're not going to surrender to Yahweh, you're going to surrender to me, and I'm going to take absolutely everything you have. So he empties out the treasuries and you know all, all of the gold that belonged to the nation. But then beyond that, it's kind of bleak here at the end. It says, at this time, Hezekiah, king of Judah, stripped the gold which had covered the doors and the doorposts of the temple of the Lord and gave it to the king of Assyria. So he took all their money out of the bank, in other words, and gave that to the king. And the king said, no, we need more. And he sent one of his guys through and said, what about all this gold in this temple here? And, and Hezekiah said, no, no, you can't have that. And, then, and he looked at him and said, okay, I'll get my guys to take it down and we'll deliver it to you. So he took absolutely everything he had. Because if you don't surrender to God, you're going to surrender to someone else. If you don't trust in God, you're going to find yourself trusting in someone else. And if you don't give everything you've got to God, something else is going to take everything you got. And there's a hard principle here, and uh, you know this is hard to hard to take. But 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 something we've all got to keep in mind is that when we face overwhelming difficulties, when we face unmanageable problems, we are still responsible for how we respond. You don't get a pass and get to do whatever you want just because you find yourself in a difficult circumstance. Just because your family's blowing up and people in your family are going a little crazy. And in circumstances like that, it's all the more important that you do the right thing, that you remain faithful, that you remain committed, and that you remain on track. Just because you find yourself in an unmanageable job situation or a situation where people are, where, where you feel like there's a lapse of integrity or not getting treated well, it's all the more important that in that difficult situation, you do the right thing. You continue to trust in God. You, you ask not what can I get away with or what, what is going to get me ahead, but what can I do? What, what, what does God want me to do here? How can I trust in God in the midst of this difficult situation? When you find yourself in a personal situation that's, that's difficult and you're tempted to lose all hope and lose all and fall into despair, that's the opportunity to trust in God. And, you know, this is something I've just seen over the decades as a pastor, too, is so many people, what happens is they're good Christian people, they're, they're family values people, they're, they're, they're trying to do the right thing, they're in the church, and then, then uh, they face a devastating situation, maybe a devastating personal situation, a devastating financial setback, a devastating health issue or something like that, and... And rather than continuing to trust God, the wheels come off and they go in another direction. And, and over and over again, I've just seen a bad situation become a terrible situation and a difficult situation become a deadly situation as a result of that. And just, just too many times I've been as a pastor, I'm like, well, why am I in this hospital? Or why, 
why, why am I at this court hearing? Or why am I having to visit this person in jail? Or why do I have to do this funeral right now? Shouldn't have to do this. It's not right. But because when things got tough, they failed to trust. When things got difficult, they forgot what got them there, and they tried something else. You know, life gives us these unmanageable situations. Every life has them. It's not just you. And in these dark nights, you know, the, we feel overwhelmed. We feel like we're going to panic. And when that happens, for all of us, that's an opportunity to double down on trusting in God. I don't know what would have happened if Hezekiah had said no to the king of Assyria. I'm trusting in the Lord. But I think it would have turned out much, much differently. And uh, the promise or the hope for the Christian believers, when we find ourselves in our dark night of the soul, when we find ourselves in the un unmanageable situation, when we find ourselves in the unbearable situation, we can remember one who went there before us. The one alternative we have is to surrender to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and remember he faced his own dark night of the soul. And he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Dreading what was to take place. And God said to him, apparently, there is no other way. His prayer went unanswered. One of the times when you find yourself in the dark night of the soul, I'm sure Hezekiah had prayed for all the, all the battles that had led up to the people standing at the doorsteps of Jerusalem. And every time he prayed for his men to have success, instead they retreated and they failed. And so he got, came to a certain place and he said, oh, I'm not going to pray anymore. God, God's not answering. I can't trust God. I've got to make a deal here. But the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Lord Jesus Christ, he knew unanswered prayer. And he was, you know, we talk about having our strengths destroyed, but no one was more glorious than our Lord Jesus Christ, and yet no one was more deeply humiliated when he was arrested and hung on the cross. No one was more beloved than our Lord Jesus Christ, and yet he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No one was more perfect or more flawless than our Lord Jesus Christ, yet he became sin for us. He bore the sins of the world. Why was that? It's so that you and I can have hope, even in the midst of our devastation, even when our life does become unmanageable, even when we got problems we can't handle and we don't know what to do. Because Jesus faced even the ultimate foe. He faced death itself. And by faith in the power of God, he defeated death and won the ultimate victory. Remember the song that Paul wrote. Death, where is thy victory? Grave, where is thy sting? And so the challenge for you, and I know some of you right today are in your own personal dark night of the soul because things aren't going well and you've prayed your prayers and they haven't been answered and you thought you understood what God wanted you to do and now it's all up in the air and the things you thought you could depend on have been taken away from you. The challenge for all of us is to do what Hezekiah didn't do, to do what Jesus did do, and double down on trusting him, believing him, and bringing your troubles back to him, and believing that he will bring you safely to the other side.
That's the promise and the hope he gives to all of us. It's kind of summed up by the song we sang right before the message. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. He's my comforter, he's my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand, even when everything else falls apart. Let's pray. Father, I, I just want to pray, particularly in this moment, for those who are facing a challenge they can't handle, for those for whom life has become unmanageable and who are dreading tomorrow or this week or this month. I pray for your grace on them. I, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them and give them faith and give them hope that they might trust in you. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.